0: I've been on Facebook for the last 24 hours, and, and everybody has their New Year post, whether it's a resolution or, or this is going to be the year of new beginnings for me. This will be the year of renewal. This will be the year of rest. This will be the year of you name it. I'll find a husband. I'll do this. I'll, you know, everyone has their, this is going to be the year that I do this. a church body some of the things we might want to focus on well this is going to be the year that we reaffirm our goals and purposes for being here this is going to be the year when we acknowledge the plans that God has for our lives this is going to be the year when we leave behind our past not dwell on our past but look ahead this is going to be the year when we press on and persevere to the goal that God has set before us. This is the year that we're going to dedicate our lives to God. But you know what? You can't just snap your fingers and have that happen. It doesn't work that way. In order to accomplish those things, if you want to have a better year than last year, if you want to have a beautiful, momentous 2017, We have to learn how to build and maintain a good attitude, a positive attitude. Because everything that's good in life starts with a great attitude. If we want to accomplish the work that God has for Sawgrass, we need to start building attitudes in us that will last a lifetime. If we want to accomplish the work that God has for you in each of your lives, You need to build a right attitude. You see, the past is the past. None of us can change the past. But we can change how we react to the events in our future. We're in charge of our attitudes. And our attitudes affect us in the workplace. They affect us in our personal relationships. In our home life. In our ministry. See, good attitudes help us get through the darkest times. Good attitudes mean that we're continuing to serve God with passion, even when others are telling us we're foolish. So if you want a happy year, if you want a prosperous year, which is the blessing that everyone says, oh, I hope you have a happy and prosperous new year. Well, if you really want that Check your attitude. And Caleb was a man with great attitude. He wasn't just a positive, wishful, thinking kind of guy. He had a faith-filled attitude, a godly and holy attitude. It was an attitude of praise. It was an attitude of hope. It was an attitude of contentment. It wasn't an attitude of being comfortable He was content. There's a difference. You see, Caleb's story really starts 40 years earlier than this moment that we read about this morning. The first time we meet Caleb, he's a member of a group of spies, 12 of them to be exact, who Moses sent into the promised land to scout it out. They spent 40 days wandering around in the land, and when they returned, They're carrying these massive bundles of fruit to show the people. And they say, indeed, it is full of milk and honey, just like the Lord said. Numbers 13, 28. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. But... Don't ever follow up a statement on the fulfilled promises of God with a but. It never turns out well. Oh, God did this, God did this, but. No, there's never a but when God is moving. There's never a but when God is doing his work. Caleb steps in and he tries to settle the people down. Let's take this land at once. We can take the land, he said. But the other ten spies, they continued to spread a bad report that kept focusing on the negative, on the practical, the seemingly impossible. They're stronger than we are. They're more powerful than we are. The very land devours anyone who goes to live there. They are huge. They are so huge, we felt like grasshoppers before them. That was the report of the other ten spies. And then as the Israelites start to wail and protest, and then they wonder why the Lord ever brought them out of Egypt. Because they were so much better off as slaves than to just die in battle. Did you notice that they wrote their own ending to the story? You know, this was God's story. It was God's story to finish, not theirs. And they knew the end of the story. And yet, they still focused on the practical. They still focused on the hardship. They still focused on the challenges. They didn't get it. Their eyes had seen miracles. They saw the ten plagues. They saw the parting of the Red Sea. They saw manna fall from heaven. But their hearts were hardened. And they couldn't, or maybe they wouldn't see the hand of God in their situation. Except for Joshua and Caleb. They saw with spiritual eyes. Their hearts were turned to God. And when God lays out the punishment to the Israelites for their descendants, for their disobedience. Stating none of them will be able to enter the promised land. He makes an exception for Joshua and Caleb. In Numbers 14, starting in verse 21. But as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter the land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. Caleb Had a different attitude than the others. So, what can we learn from him? How can we have that kind of attitude? The first thing Caleb did was he reflected on his past. He didn't dwell on it, he didn't stay stuck in the past. He remembered the highlights, the parts where God was intervening, where he saw the hand of God at work. In our reading this morning, starting in verse 6, it said, Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenesite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. Caleb remembers that time that he gave the favorable report, according to his convictions. See, when we live by our convictions, we aren't afraid to go against others. We aren't afraid to go against the majority. When we live by our convictions, we stand firm, no matter what the opposition is telling us. Our convictions are our beliefs. They're the principles that we live by. They're the principles that guide the way we live, the way we act, and the way we respond in different situations. Caleb saw the enemies, he saw how huge and numerous they were. But he was focused on the greatness of God and the power of God to overcome those enemies. Caleb's conviction was that his God was bigger than any other problem. Sometimes in the church, we focus too much on the past. What we do is we dress it up and we call it tradition. See, tradition can be a good thing if we allow it to shape our future and if we use it as a reminder of God's work. But tradition can also be a hindrance to vision. Tradition can give us excuses to run from the challenges ahead. They can make us feel better about not stepping out in faith. Oh, that's just the way we do it. No, we don't do it that way. It's tradition. No, that's fear. That's fear of what's ahead. That's what that is. Tradition has the potential to hold you so tightly to the past it actually pulls you back. You go backwards instead of forwards. It clouds your future thinking. And vision is all about looking ahead, moving ahead. Vision is about moving forward while remembering how God worked in your past. See, as we head into 2017, we can either look at our huge and numerous problems Or we can look at the numerous times that God has stepped in and intervened. It's a choice that we make daily. It's not a one-time, okay, I'm just going to focus on God. And then you're good. It doesn't happen that way. Sometimes it's not even a daily thing. Sometimes it's an hourly thing. This week, my son had his wisdom teeth taken out. And... You know so it was down in Aventura, which is alien place to me. I'd never been down there. so it was difficult you, know, finding the traffic to get there and then finding parking places. It was just ridiculous, and I'm glad none of you were in the car with me. So we finally get settled in a, a parking space. We, fi- we walk over there, we get up there, He gets settled, and they have the surgery the whole bit, and we're finally on our way home. Oh, but you know I know something really cool? When we were in the elevator, there was a young man that was wheeling Tyler out. And he looked at me, and he kept looking at me, and he said, Um, this may sound awkward, but are you his mom or his sister? Oh, I love you! I said, Well, I'm his mom, but I can't wait to go home and tell my husband what he just said. So we finally, we get him settled in the car. You know, he's been up to date so he's, you know, a little loopy and whole bed. And we get home, fight the traffic to get home. We get in the house, and of course, Tyler has the things wrapped around all the ice. Well, the dog doesn't recognize him. Thinks he's a burglar. And bites him. He bit him in the leg. yes. And so I'm thinking, oh no, what? so now i got to go back to the hospital? Or... So I looked. He, was, he was okay, and I got him settled, put the dog away, and I said, all right, now I need to go to the store and get some ice cream. And so we get in the car, Emily and I get in the car, we go to the parking lot, and I swear all the crazy drivers were out! I'm walking in, I know I'm driving in, and a woman starts backing up, and I said, she'll see me, she'll see me. I'm right here, she'll see me. No, she never stops. I'm laying on the floor. Stop, you're going to hit me. And she just keeps going. And then finally she goes ahead, and she almost hits someone else, and, and I just, uh, this isn't a daily thing. This is an hourly thing sometimes. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it's hard. Life throws us some curveballs, And it's not easy to say, Lord, what are you doing? I don't understand. I don't get it. Maybe I'm not meant to. That's okay. But Caleb understood. He understood. He spent 40 years walking in the desert. And he did nothing wrong. Remember that. 40 years. He was in the desert. But he did it. Right by God. And he still had to spend 40 years in the desert. See, we need to learn to respond as Caleb did. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. That's a great attitude. That's a great attitude that's based on the strength and the experiences that you have with God. How do you view the problems in your life? Are they those looming giants that overwhelm you? Are you looking at them feeling like a grasshopper? Are you withdrawing from those challenges? Or are you holding tight to the greatness of your God. The second thing that Caleb did was use his time wisely. He made the most of every opportunity that God put before him. In verse 10 and 11, it says, Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years. Since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. I hope when I'm 85 I'm that full of energy and life. But again, 40 years in the desert, wandering. Hardship after hardship after hardship. And yet, he was still as vigorous to go out to battle at 85 as he was at 40. He wasn't weary. He wasn't burnt out or worn out. He maintained a great attitude because he used his time well. He guarded his mind and he guarded his heart. He remained calm and confident in God. Even when the hardships rose up. While the others were dying in the wilderness and there were negative attitudes around him. Caleb was actually getting stronger. He was gaining vitality every day. He had a great attitude that kept his outlook on life positive. He was uplifting, and it was encouraging, and it was strengthening. In his service to God, there was no time for worry. There was no time for doubt. There was no time for fear to creep in. He didn't let it disturb his heart. He took God and his word, and he made the most of every opportunity that God put before him. Ephesians 5.15 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Time is a precious gift. As we start 2017, we may have different skills, we may have different talents, but each of us starts with 365 days. 8,760 hours or 525,600 minutes and how you use that time will determine how you feel at the end of 2017 we can choose to use our time for our purposes for our desires and then we get out of sync with God and at the end of the year we're exhausted, we're anxious for a new year, well that's because we've twittered away all our time. Caleb didn't do that. He used his time to serve God. He honored him in all things. Well, how do we know that? How do we know that? Because scripture tells us on several different occasions that Caleb served the Lord wholeheartedly in the eight verses of our text this morning caleb is described as serving the lord wholeheartedly three times in verse eight i however followed the lord my god wholeheartedly in verse nine because you have followed the lord my god wholeheartedly in verse 14 so hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. When we serve the Lord wholeheartedly, he has our whole heart. Our hearts aren't divided. They shouldn't be divided between the Lord and the world. Wholeheartedly means that we're striving towards fulfilling the greatest commandment, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul. They're not just a Bible verse to memorize. They're not just words that we recite. In fact, we shouldn't need to say those words at all. Our lives should reflect it. Wholehearted devotion to our Lord, it doesn't leave room for discouragement. It doesn't leave room for laziness. Fear and doubt will have no space if you're wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. Remember, there were 10 other spies with Caleb. They saw the same exact challenges, but because their hearts were divided before God, because they didn't serve the Lord wholeheartedly, they walked by sight and not by faith. With their hearts divided, there was room for distrust, There was room in their hearts for discouragement and fear to settle in. But then they ended up missing the blessing. They were left in despair. With our wholehearted devotion, that leads us to the third thing that Caleb did. He looked to the future with hope. He had hope. Caleb confidently claimed the promises and the truths of God. He knew that he had a part in God's plan to get that promised land. He wasn't blind to the challenges ahead or the obstacles that loomed over the land. He didn't have his head in the sand. He was very aware of what was ahead. But listen to what he says because this verse defines his attitude with the Lord helping me. I will drive them out, just as he said. Caleb understood that this was way beyond his abilities. He knew that he had to rely on God to restore the, resolve that problem. He couldn't do it himself. And he was confident that God would fulfill it, because God is faithful. His faith was bigger than those giants. You see, Caleb treasured the promises of God so much That it kept his faith fresh and alive. And it made his heart dependent upon God. While the spies had their focus on the giants, Caleb was focused on the Lord. Caleb understood that the sovereign power of the Lord could do things that we can't possibly imagine. But he also understood that God was fulfilling the promises and working through Caleb to do it. You see, Caleb had to be an active participant in God's plan. He couldn't be a passive onlooker. That's what the other ten spies wanted to do. Caleb was determined to fight with God, to be used by God for the fulfillment of that promise. Too often we think that if we simply believe the right things, if we just say the right things, That God is honored. God is pleased with us. If I can just say the the right things. If I can just do some of the right things. No. God is honored when we trust him wholeheartedly. God is honored when we participate in his work. And not sit idly by expecting him to do it. (laughs) Because Caleb was able to reflect on God's work in his past. And because he was able to use his time wisely, making the most of every opportunity and serving the Lord wholeheartedly, because he was able to look ahead to the future with hope, he had a great attitude. And because of that, he could say, Give me the mountain. Give me the hill country. The mountain was filled with the giants. The cities were walled off. It was a place filled with risk and pitfalls. It was dangerous. It was foolish and stupid to say, give me the mountain. Let's be honest. It was stupid. From a secular perspective, it was dumb for him to say. Everyone else was looking at him saying, what is wrong with you, Caleb? Are you crazy? But Caleb knew that God's highest blessings are fenced within the greatest challenges. If we want to finish 2017 stronger and better than we are today, as individuals, as a church body, we must not settle for comfortable. God doesn't want us to be comfortable. He wants us to become more like Christ. And that only happens when we claim our mountains, when we run towards our mountains and conquer them in the power of God. There's a quote from Francis Chan in his book, book, Crazy Love. He says, but God doesn't call us to be comfortable. He calls us to trust him so completely that we are unafraid to put ourselves in situations where we will be in trouble if he doesn't come through. Jay and I had an experience this weekend. I think I've shared with you how we we felt God telling us to move to Hollywood. Because this is where God wants Sagras to do ministry. They often say that the message is for the pastor first and for the congregation second. And we found a house and we felt very strongly that this was the house God was telling us to purchase. And on paper, it's stupid. It's foolish. I've had people, you know, looking for advice. And they go through every practical thing. What about this? What about this? What about this? On paper, it can't happen. There's just no way. And so we put in a bid, and they and you know the whole process and yesterday I woke up and all these numbers were in my head about oh we can't do it we can't do it there's just no way we can do this. there's no way that this can work And so we, we both got up and, and we prayed and we prayed and as we were praying we both just started crying because this was it this was our Caleb moment. this was us saying give us the mountain Lord. And so we put in the offer and we signed the contract. And so I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how it's going to happen. But I know what God was telling us to do. So give me the mountain. It's not easy. But God is faithful. What's holding you back from serving the Lord wholeheartedly? As you prepare for a new year, don't dwell on your past, but reflect on the highlights of God's work in it. As a church, we've been wandering from place to place over the last two years. But we've seen God's hand every step of the way. Just like he had a plan for the Israelites, he has a plan for Sawgrass Community Church. And he has a plan for each of you. When Sawgrass was started back in 1989, the Bible verse that was used to propel that vision forward was Isaiah 43, 19. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The vision that was given to John Bodecker back in 1989 was about a body of believers made up of different cultures, many different social and economic backgrounds, coming together to worship, to love, and to serve, being a witness of unity to the world beyond the walls. Now, have you looked around at the community that God has placed us in? It's rich in culture, diverse backgrounds, multi-ethnic heritage surrounds us. And God is saying to us, do you see it? I've made pathways through the wilderness for you. I've provided for you in the wastelands. Do you see what I am about to do? I've already begun. Do you see it? For Sawgrass, and he will fulfill it. But do we trust him? As we reflect on our past, do we see where he led the way, where he provided us for us along the way? Are we ready to serve him wholeheartedly? Are we looking to the future with hope, no matter what the giants are telling us? you know, I've shared I've shared with you I'm claiming the mountain I'm moving my family I'm in are you there are you ready to claim that mountain are we ready as a body to say Lord give us the mountain